this, another episode of Frame and Reference. I'm your host, Kenny McMillan, and today we've got a banger for you. Um, we're speaking with Andrew Wheeler, the DP of the film currently playing at Sundance, God's Country. Um, and the reason this is such a good one is because uh, if you've listened to this podcast a lot, you have probably heard me mention that I have a hard time articulating the sort of similarities between making music and making films. And Andrew is actively in a band and his uh, new album, after a long hiatus, is coming out uh, in the future, in the near future. Uh, this year at some point. And so he's a, he was able to um, kind of articulate that for me. We spend a lot of time kind of digging into artistry um, on the whole, not just cinematography. And I think that's awesome. You know, actually this conversation really kind of goes back to how this podcast initially first started, which was more me talking to cinematographers about almost anything besides cinematography. Um, at least that was kind of my idea at first. And so, uh, you know, because I think the artist who creates the film um, has a lot of influences that are not cinematic. Um, and obviously, you get that sometimes in these conversations, and sometimes it's strictly down to film. But uh, this one, I just absolute I, I, I had, it was like hanging out with a buddy I'd known for a long time. It was awesome. So, um really enjoyed this one. I am going to stop hyping it up and just let you hear it because it's it's a lot of fun and I think um, anyone is going to learn a lot from listening to Andrew's perspective. So uh, without any adus to be furthered, here's my conversation with Andrew Wheeler. You know, the way that kind of we start all these podcasts is just like uh, asking, um, how did you get into cinematography were you always a, a visual person or d did it come to you later like what kind of brought you to the art form yeah um i think it's like not that unusual of a story it's the it's the classic i got a video camera my parents won a raffle ticket or you know they won a raffle in 1984 so, so still like before i think i was five so still before camcorders it was like this box Right. Uh, that took a VHS tape and then it just had a long cable out of it with this like, I don't know, like weird camera looking thing. So, so I, that's kind of where I started with my brothers. We were making, you know, classic thing, making little animations, making little movies. And then, but I didn't, it took a long time to realize I've watched back some of that stuff. And there's like videos of me being like, you need to stand there and you need to stand there. And you know, like that, that kind of thing. And it took me a long time to I actually realized cinematography was like the direction, like was the path that I was going to become a filmmaker through. Um, but, you know, I took, I got out of high school and like my junior and senior year to go to Pittsburgh filmmakers in Pittsburgh. Uh, so that was, that kind of started there. And then I went to an art school in Philadelphia called university arts. Um, but I was going, like, I never really, I didn't consider, I wasn't like, I'm an artist. I was just like, I want to make films or whatever. And, uh, yeah. And when I, it was the only college I applied to, they're like, where's your artwork? And I was like, uh, what do you mean? I'm not, that's not what I do. And uh, they're <laughs> like, well, you're going to have to take these summer courses if you like want to be accepted. And like, you need to take whatever art classes at your high school this last year of college or last year of high school to come here. And I was like, I don't know how to draw. I don't know how to do any of that stuff. Right. So that, that led me to, to that school uh, called University of Arts in Philly, where it's another thing where my appreciation for things always comes like way later, it seems. And uh, I, uh, 
I went there for four years and I, I had a first year of this art classes. Uh, there was like no video or film classes at all. And uh, I did have, I did have like one class actually, it was like you were allowed one elective. So I did take like this film class like once a week. And I just befriended that guy and would go to him to his edit studio. And like, I was already just like trying to do, do stuff. And then the second, third, fourth years were, you know, a film. I, I didn't actually didn't want to be in Hollywood at all at first. Like I, I come out of like a, like a hardcore punk, like anarchist, like lefty background. Yeah. And like, yeah, yeah. so like the big, the big movies was not what I was interested at all. That being said, like, I didn't know what wasn't that. So, and that's, that's kind of what I got out of going to that school in the end. I re, like, I remember getting out of, I had a great teacher. He's like a pretty well-known experimental filmmaker named Peter Rose. He was the head of the program then. And, you know, he introduced us to like the Stan Brackages and all of those kind of experimental filmmakers and then you know feature film like european film just stuff i would have never seen probably was bored with at the time and uh didn't realize till later that you know how to talk about art and film and uh kind of be influenced by those things was not something that i considered educational when it was happening uh, and I remember going on to my first film set and being like, I don't know what any of this stuff is. And kind of, I resented my education at that point going on to a, an actual film set. I was like, I don't know what a C-stand is. I just went to four years of school. So like the resentment came back in and I felt like I wasted my time at college because I didn't recognize all the stuff that I actually did learn there was going to help me a lot way later. Um, and that didn't happen until I went to AFI. So I worked for like, I toured in a band, like, like I went to like 50 countries playing like hardcore punk music. And uh, that was training too for this business, to be honest. And, uh, you know, you gotta like, I was stuck in a van with like five or six people for like months on end. It's, you gotta know how to get what you need without stepping on toes. And that's pretty much like what being a cinematographer is. I mean, you are like, you are the line. It's like, there's all the people above you and then there's all the people below you. And you gotta know how to do that. Uh, so that was all good training for that amongst other things. And um, eventually I went to, I worked in the film business like as that was happening, it's like a grip and electric. And it slowly kind of dawned on me once I started seeing people do these things, I was like, I, I want to be the camera. Like, I want to be at the camera. I didn't, I still never, everyone just kind of thinks they want to be a director. And I was probably in the same boat and I probably wanted to make weird documentary art movies. And um, it took being on an actual film set to then start to realize that's, that's what I wanted. And then I met a DP like on a, on a movie in 2007 or 2008 that I was like, a, I was like a key grip on it. He's like, I'm in my first, he's like, I'm, but he was a little bit older, but he was like, I'm between my first and second year at AFI. And you should go. You're like exactly what they're looking for. I'll, I'll write a letter and things lined up for me that like, if I was ever leaving Philadelphia, which I'd been there for 11 years at that point, this was it. And, uh, I applied, I actually didn't get in. I got waitlisted. Uh, and then found out like two months before the semester started that 
I like somebody else dropped out or whatever. And then I, I got into FI and, uh, that's, that's like really where the career starts, uh, in a lot of ways. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, there's certainly a lot of things along the way pushing it in certain directions. You know, uh, if you, if you ever have a bunch of time, you should, <laughs> you should listen to my podcast. Uh, pretty much everything you described is, is more or less how I came up. That's, oh, amazing. That's, I, well, I should say more in the like, you know, punk rock kid just wanted to kind of yeah. like make movies. Uh, sure. and, and same thing. Like, did, did you kind of approach it more of like workman? Like it sounds kind of, cause that's what I did. I was like, I will yeah. film the thing. I don't have, I didn't have a, like an artistic stroke in me, but I was like, I know how to do that. I can do that for you. Like yeah. A plumber, you know, like I can fix that, you know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in a, in a lot of ways. Yeah. At first it was, it was very, um, you know, you're just trying to do the, the craft part of it, I suppose. Uh, and like, that is the goal for a while as for me i mean i guess there's people that aren't like that but oh for uh, sure i went to nifa tons of like art kids who uh, yeah. i mean i went, did like a summer program in nifa but there was a sure. lot of kids and they're way more successful than me but uh <laughs> they, who they like showed up at age you know 17 18 and like right. just had the fucking vision and i was just like i'll fucking expose it real good like yeah yeah know? i mean you know i did started that way in a sense and like i was shooting art tour stuff as well in fact our first like our second album comes with a dvd uh which that That's came awesome. out in like 2005 and uh there's two there's two tour documentaries on there i mean the first one was our first european tour which i shot in probably i think it was 2003 and i shot it all on kodachrome it was all on super 8 no shit um, all right so like yeah it's kind of like it's not there's nothing like amazing about it but it's like it's entertaining and you know, you get a it's glimpse not of stuff you know? for the time. No, exactly. And like, I would basically just shoot, you know, there's the three minute rolls or whatever. I, I don't know how many I bought at the time. Uh, and I would just give the microphone to band members. Like I had, I think it was, I think I had like, what is it, like a mini disc recorder or something I had at the time. And it was like, I said, just go talk in the room about the day. And so like, I basically like edited the movie through the audio and then then I started laying the pictures down to it. And it's, I don't know, it's probably, I don't even know how long it is, maybe half hour, 40 minutes or something. And then there's like another one. We went and played like all throughout Southeast Asia in 2004, which like nobody, like people still don't really do that, but like definitely nobody did it at that point. So that, I mean, it was an adventure for sure. And I, I actually left my camera in like either in the taxi, I forget where I left my, my, like the video camera I was going to take on the tour, like in the, in the van that dropped us off at the airport or something. And then somebody in Hong Kong, let me borrow like a pretty crappy mini DV camera. Uh, mm. but I filmed that like whole tour and there's just, you know, there's like, there's footage of us playing in Jakarta, uh, and you know, the world was different 17 years ago. Like yeah. <laughs> globalization hadn't like caught up a lot of places, especially throughout a lot of Southeast Asia and no social media really, except MySpace. No, no, exactly. And like, I always wonder about that, how that band would have existed with social media. I don't think well, to be honest, but, uh, the, Abrasive. um, I, I almost have to go into the band to talk to like 
express how it would have been, but like we had a guar esque. Okay, cool. Show. So there was a huge audience participation factor in, in the band. Gotcha. And it's kind of hokey, but like super fun. So like the, the hype from that, if you didn't see it was incredible and it was incredible to experience as well. I just kind of wonder how, if like social media was a thing and people were actively seeing you do it all the time, just how that would have played out. Who knows? But, you know, it's, it's interesting to think about because I've always, especially, you know, with film and, and shows now, like when people, people really want to know exactly what they're going to watch right now. And that whole idea yeah. of like funneling um, the experience, like, like managing expectations or like setting, like the first using the matrix as an example, like remember the mm. ad campaign for the matrix? Yeah. It was just like, holy fuck, what is the, or same thing with like Blair Witch, right? Like they really like set up, and I don't think you can do those ad campaigns. I don't think you can just get people into a theater or in front of a TV and just watch the thing without like first reading 70 uh, reviews on Twitter, you know, five leaked clips. You know, it's like, no, there's that, that build to expectation or that, that, um, willingness or, or that ability to be surprised is kind of gone yeah. now. And that's a huge part, in my opinion, that's a huge part of, of seeing a lot of things. Yeah. Everybody knows everything and wants to find out everything before they experience something. Yeah. Basically. It's uh frustrating. I would love to see your uh, tour documentaries. That'd be cool. Um, yeah. Did you see the, the um, Dave Grohl documentary, what drives us? I have not, I've been meaning to watch it, but no, I have not seen it yet. I interviewed um, the DP, uh, Jessica, last name escapes me. Um, she's awesome, but the movie's awesome too, but it's a, it's about, you know, touring in bands and stuff. But sure. um, I, I kind of asked her this, but I think you might have a slightly deeper insight. Um, yeah. What sort of parallels can you draw between um, music and filmmaking? Like, how do you, how, how do you approach both in the same way? Cause this yeah, is something yeah. I've been trying to articulate for a long time. Like I've always said that like Josh Homme's approach to music is kind of how I've started to approach filmmaking. Yes. Uh, and, this is a giant question. To, this is a huge question. That's going to, that's going to be tangential in my thought process. Good. Uh, Let's fucking spiral, bud. <laughs> um, well, uh, let me just start with God's country. So like I, I like, I knew the script very well, uh, like the, the Julian and the director and I had, you know, I've been a part of that project for a very long time. And, um, and we've been working together for 12 or 13 years at this point. And, uh, I just appreciated the script so much because it was like a 65 or 70 page script by the time it was completely done. So we weren't just making like a TV show in movie form or, right. I just, I kind of differentiate things by commerce and art and obviously you need those things to coexist in filmmaking at some point in the process. Cause it's expensive. Right. But my first question is always like, are we making commerce or art? And we were making art from the, from the get go. And I, I listened because I knew this, I didn't wear like Comtex or anything. I was often operating with a remote head out of the room. Uh, 
the second half because of COVID. And um, I had these, I had one of these in just tucked, like one earbud tucked into my ear on, on, on certain shots. And there was always, often I will pick two or three tracks of music per movie mm. that for me illustrate kind of mood or tone. And I'll put, I'll just put it in turned way down when I'm like operating a shot and I, I'm like, okay, we're good. We're good. We're good. And that's, that's like the ultimate for me, like merging of music and what I do now, uh, because it's very direct. Mm -hmm. Um, but back to the other question, I think some of my favorite people are like artists that I really respect musically. Right. And there's, there's, um, I, and I want to talk about this so bad. So the album that I have, do I, it. So this, this, okay. <laughs> what this I, is I, for. It, it's like, uh, so the album that I haven't, the band has a new album coming out. Right. Oh, shit. And, right, cool. um, unexpectedly, right. Uh, there was no intent. It was like, we broke up 2006 or seven at the height of that band's existence. Cause we're like, we were playing a show. It's a very odd band. Like singers, like watch it. We're really like in the seeing birds and going to the national parks. We like weren't partying. So like we would go to these places and like people would be like, come out tonight. We're like, no, we got to get up at like 6am to go see like this one bird, like in whatever <laughs> national park. Right. And, uh, that, you know, that, that, that like lived its, its life. And I like picked up a guitar and I was, I wrote all the music. I'm like the architect of the band. The singer's like the figurehead, but I'm more the architect, of, especially with the music. And uh, mm. I didn't play guitar for 10 years. I can only do one thing. It's like this one thing. It's not like back to the craft thing. It's like, I'm not, I can just do this like really narrow band of style of music and that's it. And because of that, it sounds a certain way when I do it. Right. And that's what that band sounds like. So, uh, I, I didn't touch my guitar in 10 years and picked it up and like all these songs started coming out and, uh, I didn't, I was like the punk gods were like, here, have this, here, have this, have this. And I'm like, am I angry again? Like what is happening? You know? And, uh, <laughs> and I talked to the guys and they're like, they're like, what is this? And this whole thing has been running in parallel to God's country. Oh, wow. In a, in a really crazy way. And it's made me really understand like what being a director is like too, because I'm kind of the director of the music part of it. So there was a lot of like Julian and I, he really involves me in the process. And there would be like, I'd be like in the mix of the album and he'd be in the sound mix. And I'd be like, we just have these like conversations that were like meaning the same thing about two different things, you know? Um, and, and, and because of this, this, you know, like there's some, I talk to a ba the bass player of Dillinger skate plan all the time. He's somebody I Great went to, band. I went, yeah. So I went to art school with, with Liam That's and awesome. our conversation, like back to that uh, initial question, like our conversations are all about process and creativity and, and how those, those things are like extremely similar between music and film. And I had like another person, like, I'm not going to claim I'm like close to him, but we, we've had an, I met him while I was shooting a TV show earlier this year, completely randomly out at a bar. 
in Port in Oregon. And I started to, I had just finished God's the second part of God's country. So, so I had like just gone to Oregon to start this TV pilot and we're talking, we're talking and I'm like talking about process. And I was talking about this album and he's like, for like an hour and a half, he's like, Oh, I, you know, I play in, we had this like really creative, think great conversation about creativity, you know? And I think we were both like a little bit enamored with one another uh, within that conversation. And um, he, eventually he's like, and like, he wasn't trying to get it out. Right. He's like, yeah, I play music too, you know? And, and I knew that from our conversation, but it was like, and eventually he's like, he's like, you probably know the band I'm in. I'm like, there's no way. He's like, it's just indie music. You know, I was like, I was like, I'm sure I don't know what band you're in, you know, so when I, cause I'm like not that active in that stuff either. He's sure. like, no, it's Death Cab for Cutie. And I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> I heard that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like, it's Dave Depper from Death Cab. And it's like, you know, it's, I can't claim that we're friends, but we have like a friendly, we have, yeah, we have like this conversation that's happening and like, he's in the studio with his album right now. And, you know, it's just, you can talk about music and film in almost the same way. If you are one of the creative people on the, on it, like, I mean, they're, they just run. So they're like, so parallel and like, it's just like a tiny turn to get into the other lane, you know? And honestly, yeah. like when I wrote this album, so much of it was so different than how I did it in the past because it came back to the critique, you know, if, I, if you want to say I've been like a professional artist now for like 13 or 14 years with cinematography, I didn't have that point of view and that filter of the creative process doing punk music before, mm. which is also why it is what it is, you know? Uh, so it was very interesting for myself to like come back to writing music now and being like, well, I need like this album needs like a beginning, a middle and end. And it's like, the flow has to go like this. And like, I'm going to push every creative piece to the, to its limit and then see where it's too far and pull it back. Like that was never how it went before. And it's not that it sounds drastically different. It's just, to me it's way better now but it's refined you know like and it's like it's like the old band on steroids you know yeah uh and i didn't want to i didn't want to do stuff i my big thing going forward with the album was like i don't want to i don't want to not do i don't want to not explore something creatively because this music doesn't do that thing you you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah. that that's like really applicable to cinematography also it's like, it's really easy to be like, it's not hard to make good images. This is not, especially nowadays. Yeah. It's so easy to make good images now. And it's like, what does that mean at this point? You know, and like, what is a good image? And that's why a lot of shit sucks now, to be I, honest. So that's a great, uh, I didn't know I had this question. until you said that. Um, cause I've been writing this article. <laughs> so I write for this, the website that distributes this podcast for video coalition. Sure. And, uh, a lot of times I review gear. And at the beginning of last year, I was handed the C- the C70 to review. Mm-hmm. And at the end of my time with it, it was like three weeks. I was just, I had nothing to say because it's yeah. a great camera. It's awesome. Yeah. Right. It makes yeah. amazing images. It's got everything you need built in NDs, XLRs, the whole thing right. it doesn't have SDI, but whatever, uh, shoots raw now. And mm-hmm. I couldn't write an article about it because yeah. I was just like, it's great. What do you want? So it, so the article yeah. turned into like 
half, what is a cinema camera? Like, can we start defining hardware in a way that makes sense? And the other half is kind of what you're saying of like, what, if everything is perfect now, what do you, what does the, what's the language of, of cinematography mean when, when like a great image is achievable with almost no effort? Yeah. How do you, I mean, how do you structure? Yeah. I don't know. That's, a, that's a, I mean, if people aren't asking that question and people clearly are not, you just end up with junk. Like it's like, it's, it's like professional looking junk, right? It's like yeah. you, the facade of filmmaking is there, but like it's hot. It's like, it's empty. Yeah. So to me, like, to expand on that. And these are things like, I'm really not great at expressing cinematography things. I mean, sure. it's like, but I have had to think over the past week with, you know, people talking about this movie and asking me about the movie, like in style questions and all these things, I don't really have an answer for that stuff. It's like, to me, the, the, the camera, like where you, this is something I kind of had to type out. It's like, you have to figure out where the camera goes. That's the most important thing, right? At the yeah. end of the day, it's like, that's the, that's the pen. You know, that's what's doing the writing. Like you have to figure out where the camera goes and you have to figure that out with the director as well. Uh, and once you, you figure that out, a lot of the, why you're doing it and why it's going there, those that that the answers to that start to come in once you know where it needs to go. And I think style completely comes out of that, like where the camera goes, how that is style is where the camera goes. Because you know, there are obviously there's certain DPs over the years that like have tons of style in in the lighting and you can look at it and go, that was shot by so and so. Right. That's that's style. Uh, but they're also good at the camera part. So they can go, they can go hand in hand. Uh, but you got, you have to have the camera part first. And a lot of people can get in the way of where that camera goes and how many times it needs to go somewhere, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that's like, that's, what's really hard and, and trying to, I almost want to say like, you got to protect that, but it's not even like, it's like, it's, that's the thing about God's country. The collaboration of this film is, I just, it's just like, I haven't experienced, I don't want it to sound like other filmmakers aren't as good or like, it's like, I'm not trying to like come off saying that, but like right. the thing that I have with Julian and perhaps it's because of 13 years, like we are aesthetically aligned on certain things. We don't, we didn't even go into the, we don't go into the movie talking about references. We didn't, we didn't, it wasn't like, we want it to be like this movie and we want it to look like this. And here's this painting and here's this, whatever that people do right. often do. And we just talked and talked and talked and talked like forever and, and refined and refined, you know, and I, and, and I was included in a lot of the process, like before shooting and after shooting. And there's just a confidence there. And that's because of him that like we're pushing this thing in this, in the right direction. And like, that's, that's what we're aiming for. You know, like yeah. let's not, let's, let's have a movie 
that like when it's done, we're like, we made the choices we wanted to make, not like this situation forced us to do this or these people forced us to do this. And now we're not happy. Like people may not like the movie. People may not like choices we made, but we made choices and, and that's pretty awesome. I would be surprised if people didn't like the movie. It's quite good. But uh, <laughs> one thing that you're kind of dancing around that I've had a, a handful of conversations about and everyone kind of agrees, but, you know, obviously I'd like to hear your point is um, I think that that transition from, um, I don't know, plumber to artist, so to speak, uh, comes from, as you said, confidence, but also um, going with your feeling. I think you as a musician probably are a little more in tune with this idea, but um, yeah. It's. I think it's really hard for cinematographers or whoever to trust their feeling and not go, oh, we're supposed to go wide, medium, over, over. Yeah. Like one thing I really love about uh, this film that you did is I noticed right off the bat, I was like, you, you get these really beautifully composed wides. Like everything is played a lot wider than, yeah. let's say, is traditional now you know, right. these days, um, very few close-ups, and, and it just looks gorgeous. And, and I'm sure part of that is a technical, I wanted to ask it all, sure. what lenses were you using? Cause they look exactly like my Nikors. Okay. Yeah. We used, um, it was all Panavision stuff. So it was, oh, okay. right. it, it was like a, their set of lenses specifically our Panaspeeds for the gotcha. bulk of the film, but we had two special kind of semi uncoated, H series Panavision lenses that we use for a lot of Tandy's stuff. And especially when Tandy's just alone. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, no, cause the, cause you get amazing separation. Were you shooting yeah. uh, the DXL? DXL. Yeah. DXL two. So slash red monstro, I guess, you know, big yeah. sensor. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. And very wide it, open. A lot the movies wide open uh, for the bulk of it, uh, which I get, when I hear people say it's like a wide open movie, not about mine, but in general, like I kind of cringe often when I hear that because things are just close ups and you just have a blurry movie with like no scope and you don't know where people are and, and you're not actually yeah. using the focus to like isolate how someone's feeling, you know? Yeah, no, you, you do a fantastic job of, like I said, those, those wides, like there's a shot, I think when, she, uh, when Tandy's talking to the truck guys, Maybe mm-hmm. at first, I think the first time, um, yeah. there's just a great wide of her where again, the separation is beautiful, mm-hmm. but I, I just remember going like, that's normally where someone would play a close up, and I'm loving the framing where, where that's um, Julian. That's all Julian. Oh, is it? Cause I was going to say like the compositional I mean, it's choices. Lots, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, composition is something that I was, st- I, I really got, I was interviewing Tim Ives from uh, Stranger Things. Oh yeah, sure, and, of course, uh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I got him on a lick because I was like, do you have any like photo, I was just starting to get into photo books and I was like, do you have any like photo books at you? And he goes, hold on. And he walks away and he comes <laughs> back with a stack like this and just starts yeah. doing show and tell for 20 minutes. And I was like, this is awesome. Um, yeah, that's amazing. But going through those books, I'm, I'm really starting to get better with composition. I got like a little um, Fujifilm camera that I like walk around and take pictures of the practice. But um where are your kind of composition compositional brain? Is that strictly coming from just like, I'm going to do what feels right. Or, or is there kind of like, I know you said you, you don't really had, didn't really yeah. have references for the film, but where, where did you sure. learn sort of comp- composition like that? Yeah. Not I that think, specifically, um, but yeah. 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 Um, I'll try to answer this. Cause there was like a couple things I wanted to answer in there. 
Um, oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I think uh, I told you. Yeah, no, no, it's all good. Um, if you watch Thief, which is the film that Julian and I did before, like that was our thesis film at AFI that won the Student Academy Award that year. There are crazy similarities to God's Country. So there's a, th- and that was, you know, he was, he would have been like 25 at the time. I was 29 or whatever. So there is a, there's like a baseline of aesthetic styling that we like, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, the, we strive for wide, wide shots. It's like, it's one of my issues with anamorphic shooting, to be honest. Mm. Like it's something that we, and, and I, I appreciate hearing that the movie looks good. Cause it didn't, we, that's like, not like a, it was not a goal necessarily. Well, that's like a really low, like the low level goal in a sense. Do you know what I mean? I know you're speaking more specific. You mean other things when you say that, uh, but it's like, uh, and, and I think that, that like that base of like, Oh no, the movie looks good is like, that's just kind of like the base we're working at. You know, that's like, everybody has like their taste. Right. And that's, that's kind of like our taste level, I suppose. And we have to, you know, such a a big problem with, well, I have a house in Montana, so this is part of this. Right. So like when people are like, what's the inspiration? It's like, well, Montana is the fucking inspiration. Like that's, that's like a, I mean, the movie's not really set anywhere, but it's, you know, you can't mess those photos up in, in a way. Right. Well, you know, what's you funny make, is, yeah, I was, uh, I just spent three weeks and I helped run college ski trips every winter. So I spent awesome. three weeks in Colorado. I just got mm-hmm. back a couple of days ago. Nice. Um, so I was in Keystone and Steamboat and Breckenridge and all these places. And, you know, especially Steamboat is a lot more out there. Yeah. And, uh, I felt like for, for a second there, I was just like, watching this film because it looks very natural. That's the other thing. It's not like a Guillermo del Toro looks nice. You know, it's right. like very natural, natural looking. But I was yeah. sitting there and I had this immediate appreciation. I was like, this is what this looks like. Yeah, <laughs> this is exactly what this looks like. Like I just yeah. was there, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's so I I, I have a Sony a seven R two or whatever. And I I shoot tons of photos on it, especially when I'm at my house in Montana. And, uh, and if people, it's not, it's not landscapes. It's like, I have, uh, my, I have a, I have like a, fa- I have a farm up there. We got like an organic farm that I, I got seven or eight years ago, but I retired my parents to the farm. And then I, my sister and her family live in the, one of the other houses on the farm and they do all the actual farming. But I like, I get to take pictures of my, my parents, like my nephews, like in this, and we're right against the mission mountains, uh, North of Missoula that those photos, like if I put those photos together and then like you start to see the photos on the scouts of God's country, there's like not much of a difference. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So yeah, yeah. it's all on one lens that kind of looks like the lenses that we used on the film and that like inherently is imparted on the film, right? On a singular image level. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I, yeah, I don't know. That's a bit, that is a big part of it, but I, and I just, I didn't have any restrictions, obviously shooting those photos. You kind of do what you want and you, you, you figure out what's working. So you just start to like, I feel like I was developing like a certain style of photography in, in the, 
in that pandemic window, like right before and then through it for the second half that like just kind of goes with this movie, whether I was thinking about it or not, you know? Yeah. Um, um, shooting in, in, uh, snow is particularly difficult. Uh, I think yeah. you guys, it seemed like you guys were blessed with a little bit of over, well, blessed with a little bit of yeah. overcast a lot of the time, but, um, how are you managing contrast in those? Uh, that makes me so happy to hear because <laughs> we were not blessed with snow and shooting in paradise Valley was LA style blue fucking skies. Half the time it was oh, all really. Yeah. So wow. that makes me very happy because we winter light when we did the short, like we got snowstorms and it was all of those things. And that's how we, we envisioned the movie initially. Uh, and I think we call it season one and season two because we were shut down by the pandemic. Right. And right. season one, it, it's like the first day of the shoot was cold and that was it. And it was, it had snowed maybe nine days, probably 10 inches before we started shooting. And that was yeah. it. So oh, like the snow was just melting on the day up to the shoot the whole, the whole time. Uh, and we were chasing it and we're just like, this fucking sucks. Like, yeah. why are we shooting here? You know what I mean? Like, uh, and then we would just get these, like, literally like, I mean, paradise Valley. Now I presume is paradise Valley because it's blue sky all right. the time. So, uh, unless a storm blows through or something, it's, yeah, it was brutal. Like in that regard. Um, so thank you that for that. Me? That's a huge compliment. I mean, <laughs> Elodie, Elodie, uh, our colorist over at picture shop, um, helped with some of that stuff. And like, there's snow, like there's some snow replacement on the ground things. We were laying snow blankets down all over the place, but there's actually, I think there's only one or two shots where there's actually a snowflake falling. Oh yeah. <clears throat> Damn. Well that, that makes this question even better then, which is like, I was going to say, how did you manage contrast with all the bounce? But now I guess, how are you yeah. setting up those uh, outside shots to look so natural because like like i said yeah. i was watching it going yep that's what that looks like that is it looked untouched, yeah. you know yeah 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 um well a lot of it is natural um and i don't want to say that i didn't do anything in that regard but it's like the other thing is is where that house that we shot at is like a wind tunnel to you when you go there's a highway just below that house you can't tell but there's one right below that that line of sight and mm -hmm. that goes right into Yellowstone National Park. Oh, cool. And that is a wind blast out of there. So, like, we couldn't do big rags and things most of the time to mm -hmm. block sun or whatever. The great thing about our style of working is we don't shoot a lot of shots. So you can be like, we got to go shoot this from 4 to 6 p.m. And we got to get our two or three shots and that's what we're going to do, you know? So like a lot of the, like, no, I owe a ton of credit like to Julian for the way the film looks. I mean, you mm. can, I mean, that's because he's malleable in that way and confident in that way. And, and yeah, you mean, we you were talking about your gut, like my gut's gotten really good in the last few years, finally, you know? Like the craft, like a, the craft side of things are like pretty good where I don't have to think about most things too much. And you can just really listen to that. And he and I have gotten quite 
good at that. I mean, I know this is his first feature, but I, it's a gross understatement to call him a first time filmmaker uh, in yeah. every way. And um, it's, you know, the director's job is to enable us, like to enable everybody else to do their work confidently and that you inspired them to be working towards the same goal. And he's, I mean, you'd think that would be a given, but it's not. And Uh, like here's like a really good example of this like the whole that whole end sequence uh which i don't want to talk too much about the details of it but uh, yeah yeah. you know Uh, with the fire and stuff yeah okay from the from so it's it's basically from like her leaving the bar on uh that was a huge that sequence was a huge problem for us in the sense of like how the fuck are we going to do this because it's a night scene and you know, this whole movie, the environment is present and it's part of the film. And we're, we're like, we can't have her just even that property where the house is. I was like, I can't really light this up. Like, and, and if we try to, it's going to look fucking stupid. Like it was ultimately like not a big film. Like it was minimal crew, you know? And there was just, like you're talking about like, you know, no country for old men style. And even they did a lot of it at blue hour, but like the, right. that, the, those night exteriors where the, he, the dogs chasing them and that whole sequence, pretty similar to our ending and like look wise. Yeah. And they were, they had lights, like just huge lights pointed at mountains. Basically we can't, we could not do that. Uh, we probably couldn't even do it if we wanted to here. The scale was so big and, uh, so like, what are we going to do? So it was like, Julian's like, what if we just do it at blue hour? And I, that never crossed my mind because I'm like, well, it's like X amount of pages of work, you know, like, how are we going to do that? You know, eight and cameras like, and seven. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so once it was like, we decided like, he's like, let's think about this. And I was like, okay, this is a good idea. And, um, you know, we, then, then, then the problem became, well, how do we schedule this? Because he's like, let's just do, we were at that house for like seven or eight days, I think on the first season of shooting. (laughs) Right. And, uh, uh, you know, we're like, well, let's just try to do two or three shots a night for the end sequence. Oh, okay. Which most people don't want to think about things in that way. So, and actors for that matter, like aren't going to necessarily want to do that either where you have to like break off what you're doing and go, let alone like getting in line with directors and producers for something like that. Uh, That's how we did it. And we needed actually more than those. So some of those shots aren't even at the house, you know? Um, And that's, that's what I mean when I say like, I owe a lot of the look of the film to, to Julian because he's just enabling. I, we always know the how to do stuff. We know the right way to do stuff as a cinematographer quite often. Why things get big and challenging is because you don't have people understanding why, or you have people's schedules that don't line up with the time that it would take to do it that way or what. And there's like a million things that can get in the way. And that's, that's what happens. But those yeah. things didn't get in the way for us ever. So, and that's just a combination of 
you know, being smart about what you shoot, when you shoot it and how you shoot it. You know, it's like the lighting is like in the movie is minimal. Like, I mean, it exists and there's a little, you know, you're doing little things here and there, but I tried to stay out of the way to let him deal with the actors and not deal with the actors. They were all amazing. Like, like have Working. his time with the actors, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, it's funny you bring that up. Cause like, I did want, I did have questions about like how you handled a few of the interiors. Cause they all again, look very natural. Um, how were yeah. you augmenting? So, uh, for instance, I had here, um, the lighting in like the church versus that breakfast with Gretchen or even like mm. Gretchen's office or whatever you want to call that section. Um, right. The TA office. Like how are you augmenting the sort of available light? Was that mostly, uh, added light? Were you just shooting again, scheduling correctly? Like how are you getting those? Yeah, lights? it's that's, um, so there were some lights outside of the windows in the church. Um, and that was a hard seed for us cause those, those windows are yellow and like, Oh geez. The, the stained glass windows. And we're not trying to make like a sunny movie. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, and, and the, 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 like the storyline in that scene, not is like, that's, that's like a, there's bad acknowledgements happening in that, in that moment. So we didn't want it to be like yellow sun through the windows. So that was a tough one. And the sun didn't, that was a location we got pretty late. And, uh, so we had to, it still has a little bit of that, but yeah, it's just some lights outside the windows. Like I didn't put anything in the ceilings and then it's just little, that was actually two cameras. That's one of the only times that we did. We did, we almost never did two cameras. Um, uh, we, those kind of scenes, we often, we don't try to reinvent because there's not a lot of dialogue in the movie. We were never trying to reinvent dialogue scenes, you know, it's like, this is where information has to come out. So we would, sometimes just put two cameras oh, like a wider and a tighter. I think he ends up just staying in the tight for that scene. And you can do that in our movie because of all the other stuff. But yeah, it actually does kick to, it was funny. I was actually going to ask you if you put anything in the ceiling. Cause there's a, a, a wide like behind, or I guess in front of like all of the people in the church and you can yeah. see them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a big, you know, open space, beautiful composition, but big open space above them. And I was like, yeah. I'm wondering if they split comp out some lights because it looks very yeah. nice on them. You know what I sure. like, I wonder if there was like a boom or something up there. They're just like, hey, yeah, yeah. that, you know, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, that's we didn't do that in that scene. But yeah, it's like it's a lot of this stuff is just taking light away. You know, it's like putting negative fill in and yeah. just paying attention to what the weather is doing. And if you need to augment it from the, the sun side, you know, yeah, pretty, pretty I mean, there, it looked like a film set often when you're in there. It wasn't like we just went in and shot and there's nothing in there. That's not the case, but it wasn't, it was never overly complicated, you know? Um, I think, and then, you know, like the, the dinner table scene, um, we got a second shot at that scene. Like we didn't, it was, I think it was our first or second day in that house and we hadn't really learned how to deal with the interiors yet because it's really just like a white walled house which is right. hard and um just was like it wasn't that like we didn't change what the camera was doing we did the same shots again just like my from a lighting perspective i got to that was one of my just that was one of the lucks of getting shut down was that i got to because that scene was always going to bother me moving forward in my life if uh, you had to stick with the first <clears throat> version yeah it's not bad it's just like not it just wasn't 
quite so how right. Did, how did you approach that? Because, I mean, Lord knows, especially in the in the indie world, you're dealing with a lot of white walled houses. You know, you're kind of given what you have. So, like, how did you make that look more dynamic? What were, you know, and also what did you change that made it more palatable? To you? Yeah, the light was we kept the light coming from the same directions. There's it was really just we had black like black flags and like everywhere the second time like we hadn't we weren't controlling all the ambient light on that first day when we originally shot that scene the right way and it, and it, and we didn't know it was the wrong way yet it's like one of those things where it's like sometimes movies with a little more money will reshoot their first day of shooting or second just because you just oh, yeah. weren't in the yeah and it wasn't it stuck out a lot because the movie is so strict. Yeah. You know, uh, so I got to redo that one, but yeah, it wasn't, again, it wasn't anything crazy. I think I don't even remember if I had a light. It was just the curtains and I was just kind of opening them, closing them and then just black stuff everywhere on the other side. You know, it's funny, uh, with modern cameras now, I am finding a lot of DPs talk more about throwing up a shit ton of neg yeah. And then maybe like a Titan tube as like mm-hmm. of like a back wrap kind of thing. Yeah. And that's like it. That seems to be a lot of for at least for for lighting like a person, you know. Yeah. It seems to just be like half the building's gonna be black and then Titan tube. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it works, you know. But as with anything, everything's gonna start looking the same soon. So you better put that camera in the right spot. Yeah, it's, it's so funny that you mentioned that, too, because like I've just been thinking about composition so much. Um, what were you uh, I, I saw on your IMDb, at least that you had done a handful of like pretty big music videos. Um, what oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. what um, what's shooting those like as opposed to shooting like a feature? Like, what did you learn? How does right. one inform the other? I don't know. I mean, that's, that's a tough question. I don't, not that much for me. I think, I think it, it, it informs craft things like, you know, you're out on music videos, they're quick, you're doing exaggerated technique often, and you're maybe doing something you wouldn't otherwise do that is somehow applicable in the future. I, I would say they, they helped in that, in that regard. And you had to do like a lot of beauty lighting. So like that, that never you know, you can get in hot water sometimes with actors or actresses about certain things. And maybe that I haven't really encountered that all that much, but, um, I know it can happen. And I think that's helpful in that regard. You know, it's all just experience, I think. Uh, but from, from an informative, like on my, you know, those were, I mean, they're like glorified commercials really, you know, or unglorified commercials. (laughs) Commercials pay better. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's kind of kind of what I'm leaning into is like a lot of times that's going to be, if you're lucky, sort of your bread and butter between cool projects like your God's country. But like music videos and commercials, um, kind of on a more practical note, like how do you how does one start working in that sphere? If you're, uh, you know, you know, the craft, you you're you're good at what you do. How do you start getting into those bigger projects like bigger commercials? Um, yeah. Consistently. Uh, nowadays, well, I as no consistent idea. as possible, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I would love the secret ingredient uh, for, for the answer to that. But um, 
I mean, I know how I did it. It was like, I got out at, you know, I got out of AFI and it was, I, I knew that I still had to just shoot a lot to like get better. And, yeah. uh, like I met my neighbor's friend, we were like walking in Silver Lake and she's like, this guy's a music video or he directs stuff. And I'm like, cool. Nice to meet you. And like, I went out with, he went and co-directed a, a video with this other guy for like, not an unknown artist, but nothing crazy. And it was like, we just went out on a 5d and like made it. And yeah. then I did like 25 music videos with the other guy where, and he's like a guy who has, his name's Alex Erdman. He run, actually runs a, he's a director at reset content, but he also has a clothing oh, company shit. in LA called born and raised now. So yeah. Um, he's like a, he, at the time he had his finger on the pulse of like new musicians and that like hadn't popped off yet. So we did like four or five videos for like Iggy Azalea that were like $5,000 videos. And I, I didn't make any money on them. I took $0, I, I believe for that whole time, uh, just so I could have one more crew person or whatever. And, um, you know, like you just, people need you to be validated for them. So like you shoot an, you shoot one artist and then the next level of people are like, Oh, he did that. That's fine. And then the next level. And then it's like, from there, it was like, it just turned into commercials and like the music videos for me started to go away. And like, that's just kind of how it happened. You know, I knew I needed to do commercials. I had insane student debt from AFI. Sure. Uh, and honestly, Julian is like, was the ace in my pocket all the time. I knew this was going to happen eventually. If I'm speaking truthfully, it's just yeah. when, it's just when, you know, so that's, yeah. you, you know, a big part of it too is like, you know, when we got out of school, like I didn't see that much result from the short film winning the student Academy award, but Julian did. Uh, and like one of the, one of, this was a big lesson early, uh, was he, he got to direct an episode of the last season of house, the TV oh, show. And, and that was like, I want to say it was like 2012, probably 2011. I think the, the student Academy award was 2011. And then like Greg Yatanes, who's a TV show runner, director, like mentor to Julian, I guess you could call it. Cause I think he gave him the student Emmy as well. Like he handed it to Julian or whatever. It was something like, I don't know the exact details, but Julian was directing house. He was like 25 years old, if that. And and I remember being like, fuck, like, yeah. this is it. Like, there goes my ticket kind of thing. You know, that was like my yeah. first reaction to that. And then I just had to like, think about it. And I was like, okay, I got to step it up because I actually, I have to make it hard for whatever producer or team he's going to work with in the future and him for that matter, that he doesn't. Like, I'm just not going to get overlooked. Like, it has to be hard for them to say no to me. So, like, I need to, like, I need to be building also. You can't just, like, he was a, he was a lot of eggs in one basket, but I had to, I had to keep the train going. Because if I didn't do that, this move, like, I, we wouldn't, I couldn't have done a good job on this movie either. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. it's, um, you have all, all kinds of painful moments like that, I think, and either sink or swim, you know? Well, you, you don't learn from success, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
And there's heartbreak uh, in there and not everybody like Julian could have not called me. You know, that could have happened. I've had that happen with people, you know, people don't in one hand, I don't know. It's tough. You, you like expect things from certain people sometimes and but like really no one owes you anything for the most part also. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Heartbreak and so, and momentum tough. are important. Um, yeah. I got, I got to let you go here in a second, but, uh, I end every, um, which sucks. Cause I could, I could do this for another. Four yeah. Hours I could keep you. talking for sure. Um, but, uh, I ask everyone the same, uh, two questions at the end and that is, uh, a, what is a piece of advice that you either were given or read or whatever that really stuck with you, mm. um, as a cinematographer or even as an artist in general and, uh, two suggest a movie for the listeners to watch. Besides okay. Yours. I mean, there's there. I'm going to look at, you should check my quote here to make sure I'm saying it right. But there's a sure. Gordon Willis quote that's like, has always stuck with me. And he was like, um, it's basically, you need to make things simple, not simplistic. Like the ideas need to be simple, not simplistic, which is like, make it so they're understandable. Don't make them dumb basically. And like that, I mean, like that idea certainly informed a movie like this because there are complex ideas in this movie, but it's like not a lot happening with the, like, if you just like turn it on in the middle of the movie and you're like, what is happening? You know, it's like, it's not moving or whatever. Right. So I don't know. That's just, that's, that's one of those little nuggets of advice that I've like never forgot. It wasn't said to me directly. But that's an excellent one. You know. um, and then what was the other question? Uh, suggest a movie that you think people should see. Oh, um, I mean, related to this movie, I think our current favorite like filmmakers are like the, 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 the team that did Leviathan and Loveless and Russian filmmakers. Like those are kind of they're a little bit similar in, in tone to this to this film, like it's just proficient filmmaking. You know, yeah, I love those movies. Well, uh, I'll let you get to your next project, but thanks for that's easily one of my favorite uh, conversations that we've ever had. So uh, we'd love to have you back. Um, Yeah, it was great talking. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks so much. Yeah, appreciate it. All right. Take Take care. care, All right. Have a good one. Frame and Reference is an Owlbot production. It's produced and edited by me, Kenny McMillan, and distributed by Pro Video Coalition. Our theme song is written and performed by Mark Pelly, and the Ethidar Matbox logo was designed by Nate Truax of Truax Branding Company. You can read or watch the podcast you've just heard by going to ProVideoCoalition.com or YouTube.com slash Owlbot, respectively. And as always, thanks for listening. <laughs>